Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rich Eisen. He is one of the all-time... Rich Eisen. Absolute frigging greats. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I don't see no competition. With guest host Ben Lyons. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Hey, Rich. Huge fan. Love your show. Listen to it every day. Thanks, brother. The Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Ben Lyons. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons here on a Tuesday. Appreciate you being with us as well. Day after Pete Alonzo put on a show out in Denver. Home run derby, always a, a fan favorite, part of the all-star festivities. I'm just a big fan of all-star games, weekends, competitions in general. I know people are always complaining about the all-star games or upset or whatever it is, but... It's a great time to celebrate what it is we love about the games, why we love the games in the first place, to sort of check in with the great storylines around the games, great fashion moments within the games. We had Clinton Yates on earlier who does a wonderful job covering baseball for ESPN, and and he talks a lot about the, the fits the guys wear, things they do both on the field and off that get you emotionally connected to the game. Um, I, I know you've heard a lot over the uh, the show today yesterday and i'm sure you'll continue if you if you join us tomorrow and the rest of the week hear me reference my father and being a big red sox fan and because that's really where my sports connection entry point relationship began i uh, was seeing him be such a diehard fan and i have one story in particular that i i thought of last night while watching people go crazy trying to track down home run balls in the outfield Anytime there's a foul ball at a baseball game that I'm at or a home run sitting anywhere near me, I don't want any piece of it. And I know I might be the weirdo because everyone goes, they bring their gloves, they run, they tackle people, they jump from the upper deck. I mean, people will sacrifice a baby to go get a foul ball or a home run. I, I just do not understand it. Or a beer as radio uh uh, art board op art over there, Raider fan art. We got to come up with a cleaner nickname for you, Art. I stumble through it every time. But you pointed out that, yeah, you might lose a beer or a baby. And sometimes it's debatable which one's more important. Um, but people will risk it all for a foul ball. And, and, and I never understood that. And I think I, I think the reason why is because it goes back to an, an early memory I have of falling in love with the game of baseball. So my dad grew up in New York City, spent his whole life living there. Is a lifelong Boston Red Sox fan. In fact, he quotes a French philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal when asked why the quintessential New Yorker is a Red Sox fan. 
he quotes this French philosopher who says, the heart has reason that reason itself knows nothing about. It's a beautiful phrase that can be applied to many things in life. I'm a kid from New York City. My wife grew up in the mountains of Utah. Somehow we met in the, the, the south of France at the Cannes Film Festival. How did that happen? Could, I have, could reason ever have explained that the woman of my dreams would come from the mountains of Utah and I'm a kid from New York City? No. No, it couldn't because the heart has reason that reason itself knows nothing about. So that's the foundation for my Red Sox, for my father's Red Sox obsession and, and fanaticism. There was a moment I was about nine or 10 years old, believe it was the summer of 1989 or 90. Uh, the Red Sox had a manager, Joe Morgan. Not the Cincinnati Reds, Joe Morgan, who had a Hall of Fame career, who would go on and be a great broadcaster for ESPN for many years. But Morgan's magic, Joe Morgan, our Joe Morgan, as we affectionately referred to him in our household, who was the manager of the Red Sox at this time. And if you remember when he came came on board midway through the season, gave them a jolt. They had Morgan's magic. They went on a run of, I think it was like 28 games out of 30 or something and got them into the playoffs in 1988 where they would ultimately lose to Jose Canseco and the Bash Brothers. But uh, that just to let you know, my father was very good friends with Joe Morgan, who had played in the minor leagues for many years and uh, was a big hockey fan as well. And they're still close to this day. But my dad was good friends with Joe Morgan, the manager of the Red Sox, so we would go to the games early for early hitting, which is actually before batting practice. Batting practice, you get there about 5.30 for a 7 o'clock game. You grab a hot dog. You sit in the outfield. You watch the guys hit home runs. It's open to anybody with a ticket. But early hitting goes on around 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm at Fenway. I'm 10 years old. I'm the only person in the stands. Home runs are going. I'll say, I'll go get that one in, in maybe a minute. Oh, okay, there's another foul ball down the line. I'll, I'll get, I must have gotten 20, 30 balls. Are you kidding me? That is a kid's dream. How lucky am I that I was able to do that? 10 years old, free reign in Fenway Park, running around, shagging fly balls, watching the guys work out, having a blast. About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then boom, crack, crack of the bat. That's Tom Brunanski at, at, at the plate. Hits a line drive right into my stomach. Boom. I fall down. I'm 10 years old. Everyone stops what they're doing at Fenway. Are you kidding me? There's a 10-year-old up the left field line. You know, as you head towards the green monster, the foul line has that wall that tends to get higher as it makes its way. I was right there. And I caught a line drive in the stomach. You could see the stitches of the ball on my chest. Dennis Lamp, Jeff Reardon, Roger Clemens, all pitchers for the Red Sox at the time, running wind sprints in the outfield. They stop what they're doing. Oh, my God, this 10-year-old just dropped. Is he dead? Everybody rushed over. It missed my spleen by half an inch. If the ball had hit me in the face, I don't think I'd be here today doing this radio show. We stop. They give me some ice. Brunanski gives me the bat. Next thing you know, I'm getting ice packs during the game from Joe Morgan in the dugout between innings. Most fathers would take their 10-year-old son home after they were hit in the stomach, maybe go get him an ice cream, maybe go to a real doctor, a hospital. No, no, no. My father keeps his 10-year-old son who's just been hit in the stomach with a baseball at the Red Sox game, 
till 1.30 in the morning. The game goes 15 innings. Jack Clark hits his third home run, a walk-off in the 15th inning at 1.30 in the morning. Again, most fathers would would have taken their 10-year-old son home in the 10th inning or the 11th inning, even if they had not been impaled with a baseball in the stomach. But no, this shows you my dad's love of the Red Sox. Needless to say, when my mother found out the next day what happened, it's the only time from their 48 years of marriage, 49 or whatever it is now, that I can remember them fighting, having a true argument, and my dad not having two feet to stand on. And I remember back then thinking, wow, that is ridiculous. Fast forward 10 years later, I'm at a bar in New York City. I see Roger Clemens. I go up, introduce myself. He says, hey, let me see your stomach. You still got the bruise from that Bruno line drive? So I think that's where my fear of line drives comes from. And I see these folks on the home run derby last night going crazy for foul balls and home runs. I say, get that away from me. My father, the world's biggest Red Sox fan, has scarred me for life when it comes to foul balls. Um, All right, we got them. Let's switch gears. Let's go from telling old baseball stories to talking all things the Cannes Film Festival with the Hollywood Reporter's own Scott Feinberg, who's kind enough to call us from across the pond in France. Are you calling us in a tuxedo right now? I envision you <laughs> on the Quisette heading to another premiere. What's going on, man? Uh, it's great to be with you, and that was a great story uh, about your dad. And I have to say, uh, you you really, I don't know how many of your listeners appreciate what a what an amazing lineage you have in, in journalism, not just uh, on the sports side of things, but I mean, the, the fact, I mean, even your grandfather, I, I've studied and read about and all that. So I, uh, and just to connect it all back to the movies, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's really a cool story. Well, I appreciate you, Scott, so much. And you're somebody whose coverage I follow, um, you know, uh, ravenously, I just consume all of it. And it reminds me of my grandfather because for an entire generation, my grandfather, Leonard Lyons wrote for the New York post six days a week, covering nightlife in New York for 40 years. And he was the eyes and ears to what was happening with Hollywood people and movers and shakers. And I thought of him when I saw you the other night talking about how Spike Lee requested a TV for the Euro <laughs> Cup final at the Cannes Film Festival. You right, took me right. there by you being uh, the eyes and ears for that story. Walk us through what happened with Spike trying to watch the soccer game at Cannes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's here as the first ever black president of the jury uh, in 74 years of the Cannes Film Festival. So that's why he's here just to set the scene for that. Um, and he's had many films here, but this is the, the great honor of being president. And so at every screening, at every dinner, you know, he's the guest of honor. And so this was an event called Women in Motion um, put on by this organization, Caring, which it's just like way up in the hills over looking down on Cannes. It's beautiful. The most fancy, you know, kind of uh, snobby and not in a, not in an offensive way, but, you know, that kind of an event. And nobody was interested for, for a chunk of that event in anything but the, but the soccer game. And Spike was, you know, during the drinks hour, they had the, uh, a, the television kind of on the side. And he was sat himself right down and everybody else then kind of gathered around. And then they turned it off when it, when it was they're trying to get everybody to go to their table for dinner. And so one guy, though, had, a, had it on his phone. And uh, Spike was very <laughs> interested in following what was going on. So um, at a certain point when that guy that had it on his phone, like let out a, a whoop or whatever, Spike and a bunch of other people gather around and 
And then at that point, Spike insisted, you know, he said, uh, you know, who do I have to talk to to get, a, get this back on the big, big screen? And uh, if you're Spike Lee, you get what you want, uh, particularly as the president of the jury at Cannon. So thanks to Spike, we saw the end of the end of the game. Scott Feinberg joins the show from the south of France covering the Cannes Film Festival for The Hollywood Reporter. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on The Rich Eisen Show. My producing partner and I always joke, watching sporting events at film festivals is the greatest. I have memories of being at Cannes <laughs> looking for a Wi-Fi signal to watch Kevin Durant in the playoffs. So I understand oh what that's God. like. But what was amazing the other night, Scott, and you're over at France when Spike's kicking off the festival opening night. You know, he's the, like you said, that's an, a, tr- a tremendous honor for someone who's dedicated their life to cinema to be the yeah. president of the jury. He's kicking it off the same night his short film is starting game one of the NBA finals on ABC. It was this amazing moment for Spike Lee to has dedicated his life to sports and film. He's at the center of both of them. How has his time in France this year kind of set the tone out there or impacted the way that everybody's experienced this year's Cannes Film Festival, which is the highest of the high? Yeah, no, I'll tell you, it's uh, I've never, I don't believe they've ever previously had the president of the jury on the poster. I mean, people are very excited that he's here and he's, you know, thrilled to be here. Uh, he has a, an interesting history with the Cannes Film Festival going back to his first feature she's got to have it was uh was it played here then he came back three years later with do the right thing and a lot of people roger ebert others were um you know really calling for it to win the palm d'Or, the top uh prize and it was shut out by a jury that was presided over by vim vendors who apparently sort of bad-mouthed it to the other jurors and it ended up going to sex lies and videotape soderbergh's breakthrough movie and so at that time spike you know, was very vocal. He didn't have an issue with the Cannes Film Festival. He had an issue with the with Vim Vendors and the jury. And so it is sort of poetic that all these years later, he's now the guy that's the president. And um, he actually, at the opening press conference with the with the full jury, which also includes you know Maggie Gyllenhaal and some other people um, from all around the world, uh, he he was reflecting on his history with Cannes, and he said that. There was one year that he had a movie here. I think it was in the mid-90s because he said that it was when the Knicks were still, uh, <laughs> you know, were, were in a, one of their good periods. And he said he, had, he came for, I, I believe he came for the premiere of his film, flew back for the Knicks game in the playoffs, and then came back to Cannes 24 hours later. So that's a, that's a man after your own heart, a true Next man. That's fantastic. I love it. Scott Feinberg joins the show, covers film and all things awards for The Hollywood Reporter. I uh, reached out to you the other night when I saw that you were getting to go see the new Wes Anderson movie, uh, which feels like yes. such a perfect place to go and see that. I got to see Moonrise Kingdom there a few years back when it premiered uh, in awesome. France. Uh, tell me tell me your thoughts and what was the vibe like when uh, Timothee Chalamet, another Knicks fan, hits the red carpet? Well, you're absolutely right about being the perfect place because this movie is called The French Dispatch. It's set in France, and Wes Anderson is the most famous Francophile American filmmaker there there is. And uh, and so there was just plus, as always, he has just this incredible ensemble cast, tons of stars, and many of them did come with him to the premiere. So you had Timothy Chalamet, who you know young women were were most pleased to see there, but also uh, Owen Wilson, 
Benicio del Toro, Tilda Swinton, um, you know, just many, many other. I think uh, Edward Norton, I believe. It's just a, a huge group. And uh, people, it, you know, here the thing, the funny thing about Cannes is that unlike any other festival in the world that I know of, certainly in North America, people here really are effusive in their reactions. So, like, this movie got a nine-minute standing ovation at the end, and that's not unheard of. It was It's a very good reaction, probably the most, you know, polite, we didn't love a movie is five minutes standing ovation, which there's been a lot of, but uh, no, people really responded to this movie. I think it's, it's a question mark if it will be an awards movie beyond the crafts and technical stuff where, where Wes Anderson's movies are always most obviously incredible um, because uh, it's a story that's sort of told in chapters. So it's not necessarily as satisfying as a movie that, you know, runs beginning to end and there's a whole story arc through the whole thing, but it, it, it is a contender for that top prize this year, along with a film from Finland and that called uh, compartment number six and, and some others that are still to come. This is a basically a two week fest and stuff rolls out from beginning to end, as you know. And uh, so we're always hoping for a nice surprise. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show, joined by Scott Feinberg all the way from France. We've gone international on the show today. <laughs> Scott covers the all things films for, the Hollywood Reporter. And as you know, Scott, the Cannes Film Festival holds a special place in my heart because that's where I met my wife at the premiere of Red Army, a oh, Russian oh hockey documentary by Gabe Polsky that was yeah. sold to Sony Classics and took a very unusual path for a hockey documentary playing at a film festival. That's a fantastic movie. I didn't know that that's where... You met your wife. I'm good friends with with Gabe. I don't. Does he know that? Yes, absolutely. And and yeah. uh, he knows that's why it's like my favorite movie ever. Um, it holds a special place yeah. in my heart. But I also love seeing sports movies as part of the awards conversation. And totally with Kobe Bryant winning an Oscar before he passed, and you see Tanya Harding film get nominated, and Allison Janney win, and they look in the best documentary category: Free Solo, People versus OJ, Icarus, like. There's a real movement of awards-worthy sports storytelling happening in Hollywood. What are your thoughts on the emerging genre? I think you're you're absolutely right, and I'll tell you something that's very exciting, which is that um, this year I think we're going to have another one. From what I'm hearing, I haven't nobody's seen this movie yet, but the the word is very positive on a movie called King Richard, in which Will Smith plays the father of Venus and Serena Williams, who was basically you know their their um, primary coach and support system, even when they were coming out of a very poor part of Florida and nobody was giving them, you know, the time of day as, as being, um, you know, it was just an unconventional way to professional tennis that they unconventional path that they took. But apparently Will Smith is, is out of this world in that movie. And the movie itself script has been um, one that people have had on the blacklist, which is what they, uh, call the list of the best unproduced screenplays. Now it's obviously being produced, but um, I feel like you and I are going to end up. Yes. Crossing paths on that one. I look forward to that for sure. Um, As we say goodbye, uh, where are you off to next? Are you in a tuxedo? Are you going to Monte Carlo with Justin Bieber? (laughs) You drinking Rose with George Clooney, sexy number one. What are we doing over there, Scott? Well, you know, I, I hate to disappoint you, but this is the first night in the entire fest of about a week so far where I don't have to, really see a movie in the evening, which I'm okay with because, as you know, here, if you go to an evening screening, you do have to throw on the tux. And after a week of doing that every night, I'm running out of appropriate clothing and I'm, I've, 
you know, probably happy to just take a nap tonight. But I, uh, it is a treat to be here. It's always a thrill to be here. And I hope that, uh, hope that we both end up here at the same time. One of these Absolutely. coming years. No, I love your coverage. And I know the high class problems of like, I got to put on a tuxedo again tonight. <laughs> I just want to sit in the hotel. Like I can totally relate my friend. Uh, I appreciate right. you taking some time, especially Thank late over you, there. Man. Take care. Uh, have fun. Appreciate it. Scott Feinberg joins the show, the Hollywood reporter, giving a little taste of the Riviera what's happening across the pond at Cannes, and I always love film festivals because you get an early glimpse of what everybody's going to be talking about months from now. So look for the Wes Anderson movie as it hits theaters later this year. Coming up next, we'll switch gears, talk some football. Dominique Foxworth joins the show. Go rolls on. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O O O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. And as Bo Jackson comes up, we talked about Ozzie Smith, and you were in a Cardinal uniform. Jackson wears baseball and football, and you did football. Uh, yes, I played the Gipper, but I also played for real in a much earlier time. But uh, that Bo down there, that's a pretty interesting hobby he has for his vacation. When baseball ends, he winds up uh, playing uh, playing football. I, I just, I don't know if there's ever been anyone doing that. Hey. He's remarkable, and look at that one. Bo Jackson says hello. And Rick Russell is greeted 
Stipo Jackson. He almost hit it out of state. Now, you know, that's going to set it up pretty interesting for him to the end of this season when he goes back to the Los Angeles Raiders. That's the great Vince Scully on the call with the former president, Ronald Reagan, at the 1989 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Ben Lyons here filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Radio board op, arts, the Raider fan. Raiders arts on the board. Loves hearing the former president shout out his Raiders. But what an iconic moment. remember watching that as a kid. His first pitch of the All-Star Game and Bo Jackson, this larger-than-life two-sport athlete comes out there and crushes one to center field with the former president of the United States on the call. And it doesn't get more iconic than that. And what's amazing about that All-Star game and what happened, Wade Boggs went yard next. Wade Boggs, not traditionally a home run hitter. Yes, he had his 3,000th hit as a home run years later with the Tampa Bay Rays, but man, him hitting a home run in the All-Star game right after Bo Jackson, I mean, that was awesome. We'll see tonight if we can get some authentic Organic moments, nothing manufactured. Having a Pedro Martinez on the mound in Fenway Park in 1999, striking out the side to start the game, striking out McGuire and Sosa in 99. That's an iconic baseball moment at the All-Star Game. So tonight, Otani is going to lead off. He's going to pitch. Second Japanese-born player to start an All-Star Game, Hideo Nomo being the first, of course. It's a tremendous opportunity for Otani to just show the entire world what he's been up to the last year out here in Anaheim. And, you know, baseball sometimes gets lost in the conversation around who's the face of the game. And I think it's unfortunate because baseball's never had a face of the game. Baseball's always been a collection of nine guys. Baseball's always been a team sport. You know, it's tough to be the face of the sport when your team could be in the most important game of the year, the most important moment within that game. I think I'm the best power hitter on the, on the planet. And guess what, Pete Alonzo, if you're the best power hitter on the planet and the Mets are down by one in the bottom of the ninth and you're on the bench because you don't come up for six spots in the order. Tough to be the face of the game in a season-defining moment. Any other sport, be the face of the game, face of the sport, because you're out there and you have a chance to impact it. It's up to you whether your team wins or loses. Brady's going to get the ball for one more drive. Let's see if Aaron Donald and this defense can, can hold them one more time. You know, the, the faces of the game are going to be allowed to define the game. Baseball doesn't always work out like that. You might be a great starting pitcher, but it's not your turn in the rotation. You might be a great hitter, but it's not your spot in the lineup. So the baseball gods, everything's got to kind of line up and, and, and really give us those Joe Carter moments naturally. Can't force it. Can't, you know, ask a Giannis to go on for two game, uh, game two, game three, going for 40. Well, now you're going to ask him to go for 50 in game three, and he's got to go out there and do it. It's different in baseball. If Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw gives you seven great innings in the postseason, you don't need him for four more days. Um, but I'm excited for tonight. I look forward to the game tonight. Uh, we had Adnan Verk on yesterday from MLB Network who talked at length about how much he loves the moment at the start of the game where they introduce all the guys. They say, oh, from the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge. And he comes out, he tips his cap, and really kind of get a feel for the game and, and the look of the game and who's playing the game. And to baseball's credit, um, while it might seem like it's a, a, an episode of Game of Thrones, white guys with beards, if you get under the hood, 
Uh, the, dem- the gra- demographics of the game are strong from around the world. Um, the international aspect of the game is strong. Clinton Yates covers baseball for ESPN. He was on with us earlier talking about how Major League Baseball is just a league within the game of baseball, which is a sport around the world. And you see that with basketball. There's the NBA culture. There's big big three culture, WNBA culture, Euro culture. Um, so the game itself, football, high school football, Texas six. We had Jared Christopher filmmaker on yesterday, d- directing a series for Paramount plus on six on six football. So the sport of football is bigger in many ways than the NFL. Um, but somebody who's bigger than both those things because he was rocking the salmon suit to the ESPYs joins the show right now. And I'm just a huge fan. I DM this dude and that's how we became friends. And now we're getting to know each other on the radio. It's Dominique Foxworth who joins the show. Let's talk about the suit, dude. You're looking fresh at the ESPYs. Thanks for taking oh, yeah, some I felt, time. I, I felt, I felt real cute. I got to admit, I'm not much for the social media. Like I don't do much Instagramming or too much tweeting, but I felt good about myself. I had to put it out there. I think I was getting too many compliments. That's what happened. People were, people were drinking and they were feeling good, so they were too nice to me. So it carried over to, to the Internet. Dominique Foxworth, former NFL player, ESPN analyst, and Fashion Nova partner, I guess we can say that. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, they, they want to send me a check, then we can talk about Speaking it. Speaking into existence, my friend. But I've been on those red carpets. That one looked nuts. It was raining. It's New York. It's the ESPYs, so it's big energy. What was your experience like doing that for, for ESPN and for the undefeated? Yeah, I mean, I'm – Traditionally, I don't do much hosting, but it was a lot of fun to be out there. And I don't know. I didn't watch it on TV, obviously, but the rain seemed like it only enhanced the experience for me because it forced all the big-time celebrities into the back rooms where I was, and then it made it easier for me to snag them for interviews and hang out and have a good time. So I hope the TV product was good, but I certainly had a good night. Well, it's it's definitely one of those things like the Wizard of Oz where you're like, don't pay attention to that man behind the curtain. Like, that's the unglamorous side of show business. Just the wrangling of guys, like getting Julius Randle to come in and sit down on the couch, that actually yeah, takes Ju- some effort. <laughs> yeah, Julius Randle wasn't the hardest, but you're right. Julius was happy. The Bucks were feeling real good, so they were easy. Um, and Paige Becker, I was, I mean, I'm sure everyone was impressed with her speech, but being able to grab her, it was a really pretty easy night. And Jesus and Merrill, you don't have to um, explain how that went. You can guess. It was a fantastic time. It was crazy. And it was kind of my, like I mentioned, my first time hosting. So I was lucky to have some good guests and it's a whole lot of fun. Not hosting the whole ESPYs. No, no, but hosting. doing the backstage uh, thing. I, I got to be yeah. honest, man, I'm a fan of your work. I was super happy for you. I thought you crushed it. And, and it's really cool to see you taking on a new challenge and you think about all the stuff you've gotten to do at ESPN, I'd imagine that's right up there on top of the list. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to rank up there with the best things, but I mean, I've been really fortunate and I know that uh, ESPN isn't all that popular all the time. It happens to uh, a lot of industries, but at least for me, my experience there so far has been really good. And this was kind of the latest cherry on top, just working with really smart, uh, good people uh, like in my immediate circle at the undefeated and with people like uh, Pablo and Mina and, and Gomani, like I, I've been really happy with my experience because like I mentioned, I'm working with a lot of good people and smart people. Dominique Foxworth joins the show. You catch him on ESPN and of course the undefeated, whether he's in his salmon suits or not, Ben Lyons here filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show. And while we have you, we'll talk a little football here. Yesterday I was coming with a little hot take that the NFC West is the best division in football. Uh, I think every quarterback in that division is solid. I can't think of another division in football that's got four solid situations at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, uh, it might be some bias from me, but uh, I'm partial to the AFC North. Like, that feels like another really tough division with a lot of, like, good to above-average quarterbacks. Like, the worst quarterback in that 
division right now is Joe Burrow, and I think people are pretty excited about what he can do. So those teams are pretty tough, too. But I think you're right. The West, it's hard to argue. We all expected that um, kind of the Josh Allen leap that happened last year. We expected that for Kyler Murray last year, and there's no reason why he can't do it this year. So that division is going to be great, and I could see Kyler Murray uh, improving a little bit more because I think people would argue that he may be the weakest quarterback in that division, which is saying a lot for how tough that uh, that crop of QBs are. It feels like that it's the Sunday night before seventh grade time of the NFL schedule. Like, you know that pit in your stomach you would get in seventh grade on Sunday at like five or six o'clock? Like Sunday, like your first introduction into Sunday scaries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right. Because prior to that, there was nothing to be concerned about. Yeah, well, you're always... Up to that point, it was like fun. I get to see my kid, my, my friends again. Right. Yeah, third grade's a party. Are you kidding me? You get to play sports. You get to hang out. It's like and then seventh grade starts to get serious and you get some acne. You know, it's a lot going on. So you get the Sunday scaries. That's kind of where we're at in the NFL calendar where these guys know... In a week or two, I'm in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear everybody, all the former players who are on TV like me, right about now they they say things like, I'm starting to get that itch, and people are starting to get excited. And I'm confused. I think they forgot what it was like. They've been too far gone because they, they make it seem like it's a positive thing. Like camp, no one's excited for camp. Like you see everybody again, the first two hours of camp is great. And then camp is terrible. And then the season starts and you're happy. I think you nailed it. I, I don't know. Maybe you were a pro player in a, in a previous life because you're right. That's the feeling. It's the, it's the Sunday scaries. It's not uh, that first grade, first grade, first day of school anticipation that some of these guys are pretending like it is. The football player who loves to compete and loves training camp is Hugh Jackman at a press junket. Every other actor in Hollywood – the idea of sitting in a hotel room for three days and talking to people like me, 200 of us, that's like a nightmare. Hugh Jackman, yeah. junket day? Oh, greatest showman. Let's go. Like, let's do more interviews, right? Who are those yeah. players who just love camp? They're just – who really does have that itch? Those guys are the superstars who don't actually have the same camp experience as everybody else. <laughs> so they love it because they come out there, they do eight reps a day, uh, then they go work out and do calisthenics, do some stretching, do some yoga because they're resting up because – they're they're older and experienced, and they don't need to learn anything. So for them, camp probably is pretty fun because they go and beat up on everyone else who's been beating up on each other all week, and then they go do interviews afterwards and talk about how much weight they've lost and how they're on a new diet and all this other foolishness. Those guys might love camp because their camp experience is different from guys like me. Dominique Foxworth joins the show. You catch him on The Undefeated, of course, at ESPN. Does a great job at the Worldwide Leader. And uh, and you're talking about camp and guys loving it, guys showing up, the superstars. I did yesterday on the show just, like, kill the segment with a little check-in on the state of Aaron Rodgers and where he's at. And I don't even really know what this dude's asking for anymore. I don't know what they're upset about anymore. I think he's going to be there in two weeks. I don't see him not being there. You're expecting him to show up in two weeks, right? Yeah, it feels like it. I feel like he's going to show up. And I don't know. I think it's so confusing to all of us because we want to, like, make it an easy and clear characterization. as like he wants more money. He wants to get traded. He wants this or he wants that. Sometimes you just want to be heard. <laughs> you know, like, you ever have that feeling where you don't want anything different? You just want people to know you're upset and you want them to take you seriously. It feels like after the draft, he was upset. Uh, two years ago after the draft, he was upset. And then the season started, and he balled out. And now with this extra bit of respect, not that he needed anymore, but after getting uh, another MVP trophy and taking him back to the NFC Championship game, it seems like he's even more respected. It feels like this offseason was just about letting them know how upset he was and 
I don't know that he wanted anything other than to make them sweat and to make them feel some level of pain because he felt some pain um, after they went and drafted Joy and Love. So maybe that's all it was about is just to, just to upset them up until this season. Because you're right, I don't think that he demands a trade. I don't think he does anything but shows up and probably balls out and is uh, in MVP consideration again. When you look at this upcoming football season, you're somebody who played in the league. You've covered it now at a high level. And you kind of, you know, you, you look at the calendar ahead of you. You know, I've got, all right, another seven months or so until we get to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. And just in terms of your own coverage, your own approach to the game at this stage in your life, how is that going to be different this year? Are there certain things you're looking to kind of take away from the game that, you know, maybe would be different than your relationship with it at other times in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think the the challenging thing with uh, the kind of proliferation of information and social media and, and stats websites and analytics, like anybody who cares, they can find all the stuff that we can find. I think the toughest thing is going into this season and going into any season is to try to find something or to analyze in a way that other people aren't. Like there are plenty of people that are breaking down tape and can get to do that, but you kind of have to do all of that. Stuff. You have to break down the tape. You have to talk to the players and talk to the coaches, talk to your colleagues. You have to um, watch the TV copies of the game and watch the, um, the, the all 22 copy of the game and just try to consume as much as possible. And what I do that's best is have conversations, get group chats going, because that's where the best ideas come up when you're clashing your theories up against other people's theories and you can come up with some new thought because that's a, the most challenging part, I, I think, is if you are really into football, you're into football enough to to watch shows or listen to to um, radio shows about football. You're probably also following everyone on Twitter and have your own opinion. So it's so hard sometimes, I think, to have some novel thought or to find a way to deliver the information in a, a fun and entertaining way. That's the challenge, I think, going forward is finding ways to bring up new stuff and engage uh, viewers. So. It's an ongoing uh, challenge, and that's I kind of look forward to it, honestly, when everyone has all the information, finding a way to make my information a little bit better and a, or a little bit more understandable. I think. You're spot on in the approach, and you agree with me that one of the most overused and ridiculous phrases in all of sports media is, we don't talk enough about... <laughs> no, we do. There's plenty of talk. We talk plenty about we talk about the Titans. We talk about the Bucks. We talk about yeah. the Panthers. Plenty of talk. Everybody's talked about... Yeah, you're right. I mean, to be fair, we probably talk too much about all of this stuff. <laughs> it's impossible to say we don't talk enough about maybe climate change. We don't talk enough about climate change. We don't talk change. enough about Lamar Jackson for MVP. Yes, we do. There's entire podcasts yeah. about it. Yeah, we talk too much about everything. So, yeah, the challenge is to find the actual thing that we do not talk enough about. And if you found it, you're not going to say we don't talk enough about it. You're just going to drop that idea. And then people are going to be like, wow, that's interesting. Well, I yeah. like seeing you talk about some other stuff besides <laughs> football on the ESPY's red carpet the other night. And I hope ESPN continues to find those pockets where you get to go do your thing, man, because that must have been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it was great. Thank you. Dominique Foxworth joins the show. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for checking in, man. See you. Dominique Foxworth playing the NFL does a great job for the undefeated. I'm glad he agrees with me. We don't talk enough about insert whatever sports conversation here yes we do and in fact it's ben lyons filling in for rich eisen we're going to talk about it next on the rich eisen show don't go anywhere let's talk game time boy do we love using game time tickets 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Alonzo defends his title. The 2021 Derby champion put the belt on again. I think I'm the best power hitter on the, on the planet. Carl Ravitch on the call. Pete Alonzo on the proclamation that he's the greatest power hitter in the game. I'm Ben Lyons. I'm the greatest radio host in the game. Filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. We've got Space Jam coming out on Friday all week long. We're counting down my five favorite basketball movies of all time. Yesterday, number five, Love and Basketball. Today, Above the Rim, Tupac Shakur, Dwayne Martin, Leon, the late Bernie Mac, Marlon Wayans, set in New York City at the Rucker Street Basketball Tournament, drug dealers involved with the teams, and kind of a real slice of New York City life in the 90s when it comes to street basketball. Couldn't find any clips for our board art uh, for our board op arts to be able to play on the show because this is a family show. However, number four on my list uh, above the rim. I always love too on on uh, the days I get to come hang out with uh, the Rich Eisen crew here. They send me a nice email with different celebrity birthdays, different things happening in the world, anniversaries. In 1990, the movie Ghost hit theaters today. Everybody remembers the pottery scenes, of course, with Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg and. Patrick Swayze. In 1934, on this date, July the 13th, Babe Ruth hit his 700 career home run. Now, Babe Ruth is someone I'm fascinated by. His numbers are so much greater than everyone else's from the time he played. Uh, it's kind of the equivalent today of Shohei Otani finishing the season with 150 home runs. The next guy having like 49. 
Babe Ruth didn't play against black players, didn't play against Dominican players, didn't play against Asian players, didn't travel the way that players did now, didn't train the way players did now, didn't uh, have night games the way players do now. So there's a lot that's different, obviously, about his era. But one of the great American athletes, one of the great figures in American history, uh, just what he represented, the Roaring Twenties, New York, uh, big business, sports marketing, so many moments in American culture, I think, are tied with Babe Ruth and at that era. So Babe Ruth, um, yeah, just one of uh, one of uh, those dates today, hitting his 700th home run. A couple famous birthdays, Cody Bellinger, we'd like to see him hit 700 home runs for the Dodgers. Got to get Cody right. Cody Bellinger turns 26 years young. Former MVP, Spud Webb, a former dunk contest champion, 58 years old. Spud Webb, that dude could, he had bounce. Solid little player, too. Spud was only five foot three, five foot six, maybe? Five foot six, I'll say. Muggsy Bogues was five three. Spud Webb was five six, maybe five seven on a good day. Dunk contest champion and also had some good dunk contest performances in later ones in 89 in Houston when Kenny Walker won and beat Clyde Drexler in the finals. Like I said earlier, dunk contest historian. Cheech Marin, 75 today. Hey, boy, whatever that guy's doing, sign me up for that. I'll take 75. Yeah, what's the secret to uh, turning 75 there, Cheech? Shouts out to Cheech Marin. Tony Kornheiser, 73 today. And Harrison Ford turned 78. I saw Rich tweet this earlier. If you had to pick four Harrison Ford movies... What would they be? Rich uh, retweeting somebody who had Blade Runner, the original, not the sequel. The Fugitive, which I remember just loving, being the right age where I could go see it in the theater and feeling like I was seeing something a little more grown up. Of course, Empire. I, I would say Empire when it comes to the Star Wars stuff. Some people have Jedi for Harrison Ford, but I'll go Empire. And then, uh, and then Indiana Jones, throw me the idol, Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark. Um, just just big adventure, uh, and I think the best of the indie movies. Although I like the third one with Sean Connery. I thought the little riddles that they had to figure out were really cool back then. But, boy, you could make a second top four of Harrison Ford movies that might be just as good as the first four. Are you leaving off Air Force One? Fun fact about Air Force One, his character went to the University of Michigan in that. Go Blue. Love to see that. Remember he tries to watch the game and they, they let him know the score and he's upset. Got to see Michigan. Um, you could throw Clear and Present Danger on that list. Those Jack Ryan movies he made I thought were terrific. Witness with a young Lucas Haas about a young Amish boy who witnesses a murder there. there. That's a great film. And then regarding Henry, uh, American Graffiti, Definitely would not put the movie that I interviewed Harrison Ford uh, for on a ranch in Montana, Cowboys and Aliens. I love you, John Favreau, but that one didn't quite come together. Cowboys fighting aliens. They even threw in James Bond in that movie, Daniel Craig, and they couldn't save it. The Devil's Own, a, a great film shot uh, where our family has a home on the North Fork of Long Island. Um with Brad Pitt. That's right, Brad Pitt in The Devil's Own, shot in Greenport, New York. Harrison Ford, one of the great movie stars uh, of all time and in some of the most important films ever made. But I think Rich's, uh, Rich's foursome right there is probably the best. The Fugitive, which won an Academy Award for Tommy Lee Jones, who then went on to play the role in a sequel with Downey Jr. That's just awful. Um, but the first, the original, not the TV show, that's the original Fugitive 
But the pursuit of the one-armed man, Richard, Dr. Richard Kimball, that opening sequence when his wife is murdered, it's just horrifying and a great summer thriller. I love now action movies and thrillers that are exciting that don't require special effects. Green screens and aliens and all these types of avatar. No, just give me Dr. Richard Kimball wrongfully accused in a tunnel trying to jump off a waterfall chased by the cops. It still holds up all these years later. So happy birthday to uh, to Harrison Ford. Excited for the All-Star game. Concerned about USA men's basketball. They did not look good yesterday in the loss against Australia. But who are we now to think that America is entitled to just show up and win the gold medal? I mean, we invented this problem that Team USA is facing. Every other team littered with NBA players. Patty Mills, Joe Ingles last night. Solid guys in the league. You'll see the French team have a ton of NBA guys, whether it's Batum or Nilakina or Rudy. Uh, the list goes on. I think Matisse Thibel was on the Australian team last night from Philadelphia. So you're seeing NBA guys everywhere. And if you think about the NBA, first team all NBA, mostly foreign guys. There are more foreign guys this year on first team all NBA. Giannis, Luka, Jokic. Then there were American-born players. Then you go down to the second and third team. You got Embiid and Gobert. Steve Nash was a two-time MVP from Canada in this century. You've seen Luka Doncic emerge as a star. Jokic won the MVP. Giannis won two before that. In fact, an American has not won the MVP since, what, 2018? James Harden, who's now, by the way, overseas on Instagram in Monte Carlo with Magic Johnson and Sam Jackson, which just looks like a great time. I think that's where Rich is this week. But you have more overseas players. The overseas game in, in FIBA has out now actually gotten more physical than the NBA game. How'd that happen? Our best players don't do it anymore. I know we're ingrained with this idea of the dream team, but where's LeBron? Where's AD? Where's Harden? Where's Kyrie? Where's Steph? Where's Zion? They're sitting at home watching, and if Team USA can't figure it out, they might be sitting at home watching too when it gets to the medal rounds. I am not confident today that Team USA is going to win the gold medal for the men. I am for the women, however. Um, shout out to everybody who jumped on the show today. Clinton Yates, Paul Rabel, Peter Rosenberg, Scott Feinberg, all the way from France. International today on the show. Dominique Foxworth, of course. Tomorrow, excited, we're going to have Marcus Johnson on and Black Jesus himself, the Pearl. Earl the Pearl Monroe, NBA champion with the New York Knicks, joining the show tomorrow. Big shout-out to Super Producer Art. We're sending lots of love to our man, Ben Nygar. We're thinking of you here, The Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Rich Eisen Show.